Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 58. And I want to tell you guys a quick story before we get going here. It was a quiet Monday morning. I woke up around 9.30 thinking, hey, you know, let's check in on the daily transfer rumor, see what the Italian press has reported when I was sleeping. And then Giorgio Chiellini signs a contract extension. Okay. And then right after that, Juventus actually agree to sign a player. So a quiet Monday has now turned into a busy Monday. So luckily for us, not only do we have a busy Monday and Italy internationals and the Brazilians coming back, so the full squad is a full squad again, we have our full squad back. So it's turned into a wonderful Monday. So with all that fake enthusiasm behind us, I can bring in Samuel Presti. Hello, Sam. Get into it, Danny. This is fun. We haven't had a bit. We haven't had, we have we haven't had anything but slow news days in a while. I'm down. That's right. <laughs> We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Yeah, I, I I didn't know it was fake enthusiasm. I thought it was very real enthusiasm, actually. Yeah. But um, as uh, the great Eddie Murphy once sang, and yes, he did sing. Let's uh, party all the time. That's right. With Rick James. It, he did. Yes. Yes. Come on, Eddie Murphy. Nice. Good call. Good call. Thank you. And back from. Back from car car problems, we've got Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here. Happy to be back. Been a couple chaotic uh, weeks personally, but not for Juve. So I'm, I'm happy to be back. Happy to to have some good news to speak of. Well, news. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but actual news. So yeah, happy to be here. Happy to, to get into the show. And as you listeners can tell, Sergio is obviously clearly depressed from mexico's gold cup loss to the united states i i do not recognize the gold cup it's, it's just <laughs> that was, that was a response i knew was coming and i got exactly what i wanted he's still you know got the olympics though you've still olympics. got the olympics yes they they play uh brazil uh at like at 2 a.m my time uh so yeah i'm not watching it live but i will try to <laughs> avoid any any spoilers and and watch it when i wake up yeah the gold cup is one of those things that really and it's going to sound very presumptuous but it's one of those cups that mexico has really no upside like if they lose it it's like a you know national embarrassment and if they win it it's like oh well you were supposed to win it. it's the gold cup who cares so i i don't even know why they play it at this point but yeah i I watched Army of the Dead on Netflix instead of the final. Um, good movie. Batista's in it. I didn't know that. So, yeah, it's a good movie. Good old Recommend day. You're, you're not going to stay up late to watch Danny Alves take on Mexico? No, I will not. I unfortunately have a job, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I hope I hope the lads do well there. Well, here's an easy transition from a, old Bra- a mention of an old Brazilian to a mention of a young Brazilian that's about half of Danny Alves' age and Juventus has actually signed a player as we heard from uh, Santos a couple hours before we hit record here and then here's the first attempt Caio Jorge I think is how we're going to go with it for now we might get about 17 different pronunciations of it before this uh, podcast is over with but Juventus have reportedly signed him for three million with another potential million add-on in what I would assume is performance-related bonuses. 
uh, half of that will be going to Santos this summer. Half of it will be going to next summer. And we'll obviously wait Juventus's press release to see what the actual financial details of it are, if there's sell-on clauses or anything like that. But since Sam has been writing about the rumors over the last few days as Juventus came seemingly out of nowhere to sign this 19-year-old striker, your thoughts on Juventus's first official signing of the summer? I like it. It's certainly not an immediate impact move, but it's really low risk and really high reward potentially. And, and I really like the, the, I really like the smash and grab that the front office just did on this. Here's a guy that a couple of teams were really into, including AC Milan, you know, Benfica was uh, liked him so much. They wanted to put a player into it along with their, with a transfer fee, but he apparently really wanted to come to Serie A and then we just kind of cut the line in front of Milan and signed him to this pre-contract. And at that point, Santos had very, very little wiggle room because they could either lose him for nothing at the end of December or get something, get whatever Juve were willing to give them now. It apparently is that, that little, that weird little wriggle where somebody all was somehow claiming that, that his contract ran for another two years was apparently that person who and somebody somebody's head's probably rolling at sky sport italia right now because that guy was that guy that they interviewed apparently the santos is saying yeah he has no connection to the club at all we don't know what the heck he was talking about which is good for them because they would have been in line for some really bad fifa violations if that had been the case but this is a this is a striker with a lot of potential in the the research in researching him trying to get to look through some games and and i tried unsuccessfully to actually dig into my paramount uh, my paramount plus that i have access to and look at some brazilian league that they have archived in there but that that was a bit of a fruitless search but just because the interface was wonky for me that day but the thing that strikes me most is the way he can dribble he drip he can dribble in and out of trouble like very few people that I've seen play for Juventus lately. And he's only 19. Like you see him get into some real pickles and get right back out of it again and pass the ball off and keep possession going. Finishing needs a little work. Got to polish it. But few 19 year olds don't need that. That's very rare. And, you know, he's not going to have a lot of pressure, which I think is a big, is a big deal. He's not coming in here expected to lead this line he's in here to learn and to 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 take his opportunities when they come and and you know he got a lot of really good forwards to to learn and combine with and i think more than anything you know they said that this whole project with max allegri was going to be focused on a rejuvenation of the squad and making the team younger and and kind of building on a new project and i think this is the kind that this is that kind of signing to see what you to you know to see what what this kid can do and watch him develop max allegri i think has a really great track record with younger forwards like this you know we've seen him get really great first returns out of guys like paulo dibala and alvaro morata and moise kane and even going back to when he was with ac milan stefan el sharawi so i think he's in a i think he's in a really good position to to learn and improve and become a, a contributor 
but obviously we have to see, you know, for every Lautaro Martinez that comes out of South America, there's also a Gabi goal. So it's not a sure thing. Very few 19 year olds are, but this is a really talented kid. And if he can bring it all together and bring it to bear, it it's going to be a really good thing for Juventus. And this could be a deal that we talk about, you know, in the, in the same kind of breath as, as deals like Andrea Barzali in terms of just what that, what kind of a steal it was. If, if all goes really, really well. I, and I just love the approach. It's, it's kind of, it's like what we did with McKenney last year. It's like a lot of the, the earliest moves that Beppe Marotta made that started setting up the streak in, you know, in those first couple of transfer windows, guys like Vidal, who, you know, wasn't necessarily a, you know, a huge name at the time. It, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun to watch this kid, I think. And I'm, I'm really intrigued to see where he goes. And I really like the, the signing and I really like the direction that the front office took with it. All right, Chucks, how many YouTube highlight videos have you watched? Uh, approximately 0.00. Um, uh, no, I actually, uh, yeah, no, I haven't, uh, quite seen, uh, quite done my homework on him yet. So therefore I'm going to take a little bit of different approach on my, uh, perspective, I guess, you know, yeah. Sammy mentioned that, um, Allegri has had a really good record with young players, which yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, you know, good, I guess the only comparison or different thing with, I'm going to try it. Caillou, Caillou Jorge. I'll stick with that one. <laughs> the only kind of, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, a decent attempt. <laughs> I, I, there's no wrong answer with us. This is yeah, our first yeah. time, Chucks. Uh, at least I know we tried, you know. Hey, we got uh, <laughs> we got Chesney, right, eventually, I, get, I think. Did I? I don't know. Yeah, I guess the only, you know, different thing here with him is that, I mean, this kid is fresh off out of high school. I mean, he's like, I did do a little bit of research. And I mean, he's been a professional player for, I mean, just about three years, basically. Well, according to Wikipedia anyway. <laughs> so, you know, he is, I mean, very, very, very fresh indeed. So, you know, in comparison with the other young players that Allegri has developed, you know, uh, Dybala, Morata, El Sharawi, etc. Those players were, well, A, have been professionals for longer, but then B, they'd also been in Europe um, for longer. I mean, Dybala was at Palermo for a while, of course, Morata as well, and Sharawi too, so uh, El Sharawi as well. So, you know, there's at least there's a bit more of a familiarity there with those players compared to uh, uh, Jorge. So, yeah, I mean, this kid is, I mean, he's 19, he's, he's, you know, fresh out of high school, which, I mean, could is fine. I mean, it's good, bad, it could be anything. Um, you see clubs like, uh, you know, Borussia Dortmund take players that are, I mean, extremely raw and young. And that is their identity, you know, and that's clearly, I mean, worked very well for them. Uh, not quite well enough to get them uh, championships, but has worked very well for them. So, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, like Sam said, I mean, it's a very low financial risk move, low risk financial move. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think of what could be the worst case scenario. I mean, there's really not much I could go wrong here. Of course, I mean, it could end up being a flop, but, you know, again, low low risk financially um, i'm guessing pretty low salary as well unless i don't know kids these days i don't know what what money they want but it's all these millennials and gen zers but a kid a kid a millennial myself um, i was gonna say i've said this already uh, in 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 previous or in previous episodes you're younger than me 
It's important to mention uh, that Chox is 28, if I recall correctly. Yes, so, I am indeed. You know. I am indeed. Just making sure people are still paying attention. You know? People might be, I don't know. <laughs> they might be at the gym listening to this and be like, oh, yeah, I guess he is. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess he's not millennial. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> for, for the record, uh, Chucks was pretending to bench press. You guys can't see it, but we right. can. So Chucks was bench pressing. As he, <laughs> as he said, uh, people press? are working out as they listen to our podcast. Yeah. Or watching people in the Olympics press three <laughs> times my body weight, but anyway. But yeah, no, one one I guess last thing on on uh, on Georgia is that I guess my question is so from what I understand he's a center forward, so technically he has pretty little competition if you think about. It. I mean, okay, there's Morata, there's DiBala, and there's yeah, there's Ronaldo, but I'm. Mean, we still don't really know what formation slash what tactical setup uh, Allegri is going to play. Is it going to be a two center forward system? Is it going to be, you know, a one center forward system? Uh, we still don't, you know, I mean, we don't know if it's a one center forward position, then okay. Yes. He, he has a, a little bit more competition there again with Morata and Dybala and uh, Ronaldo. Uh, but if, if it is a two center forward setup, then I mean, he has, He's basically going to be a backup to, yeah, to the two main center forwards, which is fine. I mean, he's 19. Um, that's fine. But that's, I guess, kind of my only question. I'm like, okay, what is his position in the pecking order, really? Is it really an immediate replacement or is it kind of a little lower down, down the totem pole or down the food chain, I should say? And will he play with uh, Primavera for a while or, you know, whatever? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But overall, yeah, hey, man, I'm all for it. And, uh, you know. Uh, welcome or uh, benvenuto or uh, well, I don't speak Portuguese so welcome yeah unlike Chucks I, I did watch a number of highlight videos in YouTube scored to some pretty ghastly EDM uh, electronic dance music oh uh, god which, that's that that was like which I turned it on as, the mute for a while <laughs> which as, as far as I understand it's a it's like a prerequisite for, for all these highlight videos I don't know but it, yes. it does yes, seem it to is. be a yeah, it is, because it does seem to be a recurring trend. But, you know, the thing that, that jumps out to me the most, and and I'm glad that both Sam and Chucks took, like, the actual analysis of it, of my hands, because the only thing that I can say is it's it's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting to have, you know, I think it's been a while since Juve kind of signed the, you know, the hot young startlet from South America on board. I, I don't really remember, you know, another kid you know that young that unproven coming to to Juve I remember uh, the team being kind of like on the on the conversations for like Sam said uh, Gabigol and Gabriel Jesus if I remember correctly they were kind of in the discussion but you know they 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 didn't pull the trigger at the end so it's just exciting to have a, a guy like like him who like Sam said is, is far from a finished product but you can definitely tell he has a lot of skills he has a lot of talent and you know it's just exciting to to have a guy like this that if things break correctly for him which we can argue whether whether or not that that place is Juventus at this moment but you know if things break correctly for him he can like I can definitely see him becoming a very very good player in the future and it's just you know it's just thrilling for for one as a fan to have a guy like that with that amount of potential in the team especially you know especially if you take into account, uh, you know, something that Sam actually mentioned in his latest piece 
uh, on the side about how you know the the under 23 the the Juventus youth ranks have been kind of barren as of late to so to have this guy coming in and to have him pretty much a given that he's not going to go to the under 23 he's actually going to go to the first team he's actually going to get minutes because that you know center forward rotation is is not very deep uh it's just fun it's just exciting you know it's uh, i would equate it to having you know when your team in the nfl has been in the you know has no quarterback and then they draft a guy and you buy you know you kind of like believe in that guy and you buy into that guy even if he sucks uh but you know it's just for a few years it's fun it's just really fun to kind of think no no he like he can definitely take the next step and you know sometimes it pans out sometimes it doesn't but it's just a, an interesting wrinkle and it's an interesting you know story that we will develop throughout the season so uh yeah i'm excited and nothing that you guys didn't say you know i think financially is just an incredible deal i mean we're talking tops juventus is going to shell out four million so even if he's a flop even if he gets just a few minutes here and there four million in in today's economy is is you know really a drop in the bucket and i think it's going to help with having you know lower expectations from both the fan base and probably himself, because he's not going to have that, you know, price tag hanging over his head, like another talented youngster, for example, Dejan Kulusevsky, who, you know, he was different situation. He was already playing in Europe. He was already in Serie A, but, you know, Juventus shelled out over 35 million euros for him, if I remember correctly. So that that definitely adds a lot of pressure, you know, to have that price tag over your head. So the fact that he came here cheap, he he managed to come here during the summer. So his adaptation will probably be faster. All of that is just just good good stuff that can happen to to him. So so I'm excited. I, I literally see no downside to this to this signing. And one thing that you just said, uh, Sergio, that that to to touch on something that Chucks had said, I, he's not get. This is not a stash. He's not going to be playing for the youth teams. He's not going to be playing for the for the under twenty three. If he knew that we were going to be maneuvering him towards towards Serie C, he would have signed with Milan because this was essentially a free agent deal. Given the fact that he was in the last six months of his contract, so he could he could come to these pre contract agreements. He's going to be in the first team. I, and also, I'm gonna I'm gonna dispute a little bit the idea that he's got you know that that he's quite so fresh and quite so inexperienced i mean yes the brazilian league is not often talked about as you know a a major 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 thing in terms of competition when you compare them to the to top european leagues but this is a guy that's had 84 first team appearances since he was 16 that that is that is a really significant amount of action 19 appearances in the copa libertadores which is definitely not a joke that that's some pretty high level competition in that. So I I do think that he has that kind of that, that he does have some experience of those high, higher level competitions. So very similar to Rodrigo Bentancourt when he came over, he had already played in a bunch of River River Plate versus Boca Juniors derbies. He had played in in South American continental competition, and I think that was a real help as as he started climbing the ladder a little early so i i definitely think that that's going to be a a a a plus for him as as he sets out on this particular journey here at uve 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So we got one deal down, and I think it's safe to say we're hoping for another another one to happen in the near future and in terms of arrivals, and that's obviously Manuel Ocatelli. And it feels like we've been in the same kind of holding pattern for the last couple of weeks where it's Juventus Sassuolo meet, Juventus puts forward another offer, Sassuolo says no, rinse, repeat, here we go, and they'll meet again in a few days or at the beginning of the new week. And while we're, we're recording here on Monday, Juventus and Sassuolo are supposed to meet tomorrow, I believe. So there's that, but there's also now the added dimension of the Christian Romero deal between Atalanta and Tottenham happening. And then Juventus is then potentially going to send Mary Demerol to Atalanta to fill Romero's spot. Sorry, Sergio, by the way. And tough. It was tough. <laughs> and then obviously Demerol would take Romero's spot on Atalanta's roster. So there are dominoes that need to happen before Locatelli becomes a Juventus player, but it feels like we're inching closer and closer and closer. And obviously a potential loan with option to buy deal between Juventus and Atalanta for Demerol would give Juventus a much needed influx of money to then send that money right over to Sassuolo. And now I'm tired of talking. So somebody else talk about Manuel Ocatelli joining Juventus. Make it happen. Damn it. Uh, (laughs) No, but this, and this is what had, this is what had to happen. And, you know, you would, you were hoping that, that the, the sale would have been somebody like, you know, Aaron Ramsey, who we all don't want on the team anymore. It is mildly surprising to me that no like mid table premier league team that really overestimates what British talent can do. Hasn't, uh, hasn't ponied up a little bit of money to try to take Ramsey off of our hands, but uh, it's probably a salary thing at that Arsenal, point. Are you listening? Arsenal, are you listening? <laughs> but I, I was talking with a, with a friend today who, who is not particularly happy about the idea of Demerol leaving. And he, he said something like, "We're only five million away from from Sassuolo in terms of the money. We don't. We shouldn't have to move. Be moving a player for this." And I said back to him, "Yeah, but we've been five million away from Sassuolo for the last three weeks with no movement whatsoever. Yes, we do have to to move a player in order to get this done. And that is, in one respect, a, a pretty awful statement on the state of Juve's finances." And, you know, and we, we said, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about, you know, whether or not we would be happy about losing Demerol. But at the end of the day, if, if Demerol gets moved on and Daniele Rugani and Radu Dragusin end up the back end of the center back depth chart in order to make sure that Manuel Locatelli is a Juventus player, I'm fine with that. You know, Demerol's, Demerol's the fourth name on the depth chart right now at center back. He's not going to get the minutes that he needs to improve uh, this Juventus team, unless something catastrophic happens to the, to the players in front of him. 
is it a is it a hard pill to swallow? Yes, but this team needs Locatelli more than it needs anything else in this transfer window, and that move's got to get done. And so, if you get you know you take the money that you get from the from the loan phase, tack that onto what you're already offering, and that puts you over the top. Thank goodness Locatelli only wants Juventus because by this point, he would have been an Arsenal player a long time ago. But you know, it, it's got to be done at, in the end. And, you know, yeah, losing a player is, is with the potential of Demerol bites, but gaining a player with the proven ability of Manuel Locatelli is more important. And if this is what it's going to do to do it, then get it done. So Sergio, are you happy that a potential Demerol departure opens the door for young prospect Daniele Rugani to come back and fulfill his potential at Juventus. Yeah, finally. Talk, talk about a guy that hasn't <laughs> had any chances. Um, you know, I, I swear to God, he's going to play a lot and I'm going to be upset about it a lot as well, because that's the thing. And and I, I mostly agree with, with everything that Sam said about Locatelli because I, I do think that that he in a way he can unlock a lot of things in this squad he can not just by by him being on the team and, and what he brings by himself just his positional fit in this team can help the the squad overall I think bringing him into the team is not so much as bringing a very talented player but also allowing other players to really kind of be put in the best position to succeed so Bringing Locatelli also implies that, you know, Adrian Rabiot is going to be put in a better position to succeed. The same goes for Rodrigo Bentancur. So I, I do agree that, that you know, Locatelli is a must-have for the team this season. I do agree with that. The only thing that, that you know, and, and if worse comes to worse, I agree with Sam. I think you have to do it. it. It has to get done. The only thing that does worry me is that, and, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead of, of the other block of, of news we have to do, but with Giorgio Chiellini, he, he showed that he can still play. He showed that he can still play at a very high level. We all know how that story goes. He's the captain. He's a, he's a Juve legend. He's going to show that for a couple months tops, and then he's going to get hurt. And it is what it is. It, we've seen this the last few years. No fault of his own. It's the age. It's the body. It's, you know, it's going to happen. And once that happens, you know, the, your, your, you know, quote unquote, fourth, you know, center back on the depth chart is the third. And if you're still playing deep in, in several competitions, as we hope Juventus is this year, you know, that is going to, to involve some rotation and it's going to involve that third guy getting a lot of minutes. And that third guy is going to be Daniela Rugani again and 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 we know he's not good we know he's not good and and he's going to have to get those minutes and Leo Bonucci is not getting any young any any younger he hasn't been as unreliable as as Chiellini but there it's there's a sick you know reasonable chance that he also gets hurt and if those two dudes miss any time you're really looking at a very thin depth chart and and that's what would worry me about, you know, moving on from, from Demiral. And pretty much at that point, your season hangs on the feet of Daniele Rugani and Radu Dragosin, who, you know, we really don't know anything about him. He's very young, very raw. You know, he could be anything. So at that point, I do think you're playing a, a 
very dangerous game because we know for a fact that Georgia Galina is going to get hurt at some point. So I think considering the assets that this team has, you have to flip Demerol. It is what it is. But I would, you know, in a perfect world, I would love to see them bring in another serviceable center back, another guy in to kind of fill in that depth because there is a very, very real scenario that Daniele Rugani plays important minutes for this team. A joke that I've been making for like six months because I thought it had no chance of happening and it's going to happen. And, and I just can't believe we're here, but it is what it is. I mean, you have to make tough decisions and that's, that's the tough decision that's going to have to get made. To quote you, Sergio, you talked it into existence. Yes, unfortunately, in the, in the bad sense. <laughs> yeah, Illuminati confirmed, didn't it? <laughs> um, well, Sergio took the words out of my mouth on that one. You know, it's funny, though, that I, I have spoken vocally about my uh, lack of belief in, in uh, Demiral, and I didn't know that... Um, you have. <laughs> I have, I have. <laughs> but I didn't know that someone had a more outspoken opinion but then on Daniel Rugani, so... I know what I know where Sergio stands now with all matters uh, Ugani, <laughs> um, but um, preseason yeah, I mean, legend though. Let let's give him his credit. Preseason legend for you, true. like right. always the a captain, trophy over the weekend. You lifted the trophy. trophy. Hey, listen, trophy's a trophy. <laughs> I'm right. I'm right. Is um, that one going into the J Museum along with all the other ones? Or <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> If they if they didn't forget it in the stadium, I'm I'm sure it'll end up somewhere. <laughs> but but yeah, no, Sergio. I mean, you're you're right. We do kind of have an issue in defense, and it's it's yeah, it's weird. I mean, even though I don't really believe in Demiral, it's like you're right. It would kind of create a yeah, pretty problematic situation. Uh, assuming that we don't sign another cent- central defender slash sign another another central defender of well equal or greater quality. Which, uh, you know, as a wise man once said, in this economy, that's going to be, uh, yeah, hard to, uh, hard to do. <laughs> so it's just, it's weird, you know, it, I think I've started to realize that, well, most of life, I guess, but in this case, football uh, is really just a game of um, trading one problem for the other. So, you know, we're going to, obviously, we have issues in midfield, so then hopefully fix it by, well, I mean, for the most part, hopefully fix it with getting Locatelli. So fix that problem, and now you're trading in another problem in the central defense, uh, center of defense. And then, well, if we, I don't know, sign another player there of greater quality, well, we're going to have to sacrifice something. So then we're creating another problem. So you're just constantly shifting problems around <laughs> around the club. It's kind of like a musical chairs of problems, which, uh, yeah, it's not very nice. But I guess, I mean, that's, that's just the nature of life. So... You know, like like Sam said, I mean, at this point with Locatelli, I mean, everybody knows we want him. Sassuolo knows we, I mean, we've been talking to Sassuolo. Uh, Locatelli knows that how much we want him. He seems to very much want to come. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think in the next, I mean, week or two, something's going to have to happen. Otherwise, I mean, I just don't really see it happening anymore. I mean, if we're going to get another uh, Paolo Dybala contract extension, like the duration of that whole ordeal, I mean, my God, just shoot me now. I mean, <laughs> like that, uh, I'm just not willing to put subject myself to such 
torture. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I really do hope he comes, but yeah, I mean, we're reaching a phase where it's like something's gonna have to happen. Um, otherwise, well, you know, might just uh, be uh, arrivederci, uh, Manuel. I want to say one thing about Locatelli too, is that, you know, Locatelli, he's been back at training at Sassuolo for a couple of days now. Compare that to Harry Kane, who's like pretty much straight up gone on strike to force Tottenham into selling him to Manchester City at whatever number Manchester City wants to give Tottenham. And that's that's a, a difference in mentality that I think is stark and it makes me want Locatelli all the more because it you can tell that he's got that dedication and that and and that you know that professionalism to just you know he's going to go and do his job and you know if the if the transfer does come down in the next couple of days then he'll just come to turn and he'll do his job there i like that and and also i i i just wanted to to reiterate some uh, something i said i think last week which was that when it comes to Chiellini and injuries, surprisingly enough, the the coach out of the last three seasons that's kept Chiellini the healthiest has been Max Allegri. You know, obviously you had the the, the major catastrophic knee injury under Sadi, but you know it. You know, Allegri seemed to have a good rotation system worked out for for Chiellini, much the same as he did for Buffon when uh, before Buffon left. That that kept him really pretty good that last season that Allegri was there. So if 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 there was if there's reason to be optimistic in that regard, I I think that's one reason. And as opposed to Rugani, I mean, you know, we ruined we ruined him. It's our own damn fault that he's like this now. You know, if we hadn't signed Medi Benatia, the 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 human mental error to to jump ahead of him on the depth chart after he finished his first season in really nice fashion, maybe he would have actually developed instead of just stagnating on the bench behind, you know, Benatia making yet another mistake. No, he's bad. He's bad. I, I think Rugani is no, bad. I'm, I, he will forever you, be and I, You and I are going to have to disagree on this one, Sergio. If, if, you, can't, if you can't outplay Benatia... Danger just not good. Like he never gave, he things. never gave him the chance to because that's it's because the disease of Italian football means that age is the one of the the deciding factors and who gets into the starting well is starting you eleven. Get that. Benatia was the older player, so Allegri got so Allegri put him in. Matisse is played because he's good. I mean, just like when a guy is good enough. I mean, Delict also cost 85 million euros. So there's a there's another there's another factor there as opposed to Rugani. Rugani's good enough nearly that Rugani sucks. He always sucked. He had one good season. We bought high. It happens. You know, it is what it is. I bought myself into it. You know, whatever. We're gonna get a lot of him next year. So redemption, I guess. That's gonna be a good story if he does get redemption. I'm going to put myself uh, into the line of fire at my own risk here. But uh, I guess the only thing with Lugani that I would slightly lean in Sergio's argument for is that, I mean, he did get other chances at, uh, I mean, other clubs. I mean, okay, loan deals and, you know, their six-month deals. But just one. St- well, no, two. It was just Cagliari Cal- last Cal- year. Cagliari and Ren, I thought, right? Oh, Ren, yeah. But he was hurt He was hurt that the first half of yeah, the year. That's why he didn't yeah, play. Fair enough, fair enough. But... But yeah, I don't know. It's I agree. I mean, with the old Italian tendency to uh, to just prioritize 
you know, seniority over, over giving youth a chance and just that. And I mean, many players have talked about that. Many coaches have talked about that too. But yeah, I don't know. Something does tell me that if Rugani really was that good, surely something somewhere somehow would have happened. But I don't know. I don't have a particularly strong opinion on this one. And it has nothing to do with the fact that the very first article I ever wrote for this site had to do with Rugani at all, either. I mean, if, if anything, you know, the weird thing is, I mean, it's like at any club, if there was any club that a defensive player should, you know, love to be at and love to shine, it would be, you know, a club like Juve, especially, you know, back when he was still developing, we were, we actually cared about defending. <laughs> so, um, you know, especially back then, it would be the ideal time to do it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It didn't come off. But then again, I mean, he's 27. It's still relatively young for a defender. Yes. So, you know, that. Yes. I... Drink the Kool Aid chocolate. So, <laughs> amen. If, if, if Rugani is any good this year, I will buy an official Juve kit, like the match warrant, like the match official thing with Rugani's name on it. Ship it from Italy. I do not care because he is not good. And he will cost this team at some point if he plays. I, I am damn sure of it. Rooting well, against it. I want that kit. But, you know, it is what it is at this point with him. Let the record show then uh, that Sergio put that bet on. Let the record show. That's right. And I, and, and I can't wait until Daniele Rugani is MVP in one of the grab bags. That's going to be fun. That's going to be really fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we, we mentioned Giorgio Chiellini, and I think it, it's safe to say we're all happy that he's back, even though, you know, he's got the the whole injury situation that I think we're all mentally preparing for. So. We'll move on a little bit to what Max Allegri had to say after Juventus is friendly over the weekend in the aforementioned Berlusconi Cup and the much-deserved Berlusconi Cup win or whatever you want to call it at this point since it's the Berlusconis and, you know, everything that comes with the Berlusconis. is The Bunga Bunga party. That's uh, right. There you go. You said it, not me, Charles. (laughs) But I think the, the two most important things are obviously what Max Allegri had to say about Dejan Kulusevski and that he, and I'm, I'm reading here, he's got a lot of potential, but he needs to improve a lot. I think after watching his first season in Juventus, we can all agree that is definitely the case, but the most, most noticeable thing that Max Allegri said had to do with Aaron Ramsey and Aaron Ramsey playing as a deep lying midfielder, which when I saw the lineups over the weekend, I was very surprised that it it was Aaron Ramsey pulling the strings at the base of the midfield. So Chuck, since you, you have obviously been somebody who's had a few things to say about this midfield, how excited were you to see Aaron Ramsey pulling the strings against Monza over the weekend? Well, as the great Kevin Keegan of Newcastle once said, uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. No, I don't. I just wanted to do that accent, um, <laughs> which was such a classic video, that one, uh, or an interview rather. But well, not excited, obviously, but I appreciate Allegri for experimenting in preseason, for using preseason what it's supposed to be used for, which is experimentation and, and I mean, fitness and, you know, just getting everybody match ready, of course. But generally, it's meant for experimentation and, you know, in like trying out certain tactics and formations uh, so that you're not doing this against Napoli or something or against Milan or something, you know, you're not like, Oh, let me try and put Ramsey in uh, Regista against, uh, you know, uh, Barcelona in the Champions League or something. So I appreciate that uh, very much uh, from Allegri. Um, I mean, the, the, the main thing that I 
thought of when I, you know, read about this uh, this interesting tactical change was really a pretty direct comparison with well with Christian Eriksen actually of Inter. So you know, as we know, uh, Eriksen yeah went to Inter was pretty terrible for the first year and a half or so. So much so that Beppe Marotta publicly said that he's on the transfer market and he's been listed. They tried to get rid of him, you know, didn't work. Then they're like, well, I guess we're going to have to use him and we're going to have to do something. And they did. And they changed his position because at Spurs, he was, from what I understand, at Spurs, he was basically a trequartista. And then at, yeah, and then Conte changed it to, um, to regista position. And I mean, he flourished. He was fantastic and you know really a integral part of that inter you know scudetto winning side and yeah i mean i see a lot of comparisons there with ramsey you know came in from uh, another north london side <laughs> this time on the free but came in from uh you know another part of north london london there has been pretty terrible overall <laughs> and we've well probably not been as public about you know listing them on the transfer market but i think everybody knows that we kind of you know wouldn't shed a tear if he left, but nobody's bought him. So now it's at the point where it's like, well, we have to just use him. I mean, we have to do something with him, right? I mean, he hasn't violated any rules. He hasn't do, done do anything. Do we? I mean, do we, though? Like, I mean, do we have to have him on the field? I mean, well, okay, on the field, I mean, I don't know. But I mean, we're contract- contractually obliged to do something with him, I guess. But yeah, okay, no, we're not technically not obligated to play him. But I mean, I don't know. We kind of have to do something with him. You know, again, he has, he's done nothing to warrant like being uh, played in or frozen out of the side. You know how, you know, players do that. They like, I don't know, rebel or something or do some stupid stuff. And then they, they're like, all right, you've been banished to uh, Middle Earth. But no, he's done nothing wrong. So he's just been a professional. So, you know, we have no reason to like ostracize him. So, I mean, we just have to do something with him. And I think, yeah, why not experiment with putting him in Regista? At the moment, doesn't seem like anybody else is, uh, you know, playing a blinder in that position. So, I mean, you know, not like we have Andrea Pirlo playing playing that position right now, unfortunately. So, yeah, I, I, I'm all for experimenting with it in preseason, and yeah, frankly, seeing how it goes. And I mean, it could it could turn out to be another Christian Eriksen transformation. Yeah, why not? And uh, if it doesn't work, then I don't know. I don't know. Thursday night, Channel Five, mate. <laughs> See you, Aaron. Maybe uh, ship you off to ship you off back to Arsenal. I don't know. So it it you mean playing like shit isn't isn't reason enough to ostracize somebody? <laughs> no, it's it. I, Sergio talked about Rugani and getting significant minutes as a nightmare scenario. No, this is a nightmare scenario for me. Is Aaron Ramsey playing as the regista in a game that matters? And also, you want and you want to talk about injuries too. There's no guarantee that Ramsey is going to be healthy enough to to even do that this is one of the reasons why I like I said one of the reasons why I really want this Locatelli transfer to come down because I don't want this happening in a real game because I I don't have any faith in Ramsey to be able to to be able to 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 be effective right now he has not shown the ability to effectively play soccer in a Juventus midfield at all over the last two years you know and and this is one of Max's, you know, th- this is one of Max's things where he'll try you everywhere. Like I said, you know, Federico Bernadeschi comes back out tomorrow and he'll probably be on the depth chart at center back because that's just been Bernadeschi's experience under Allegri. I-, I don't see an experiment like this working out 
if he keep if Allegri keeps going with it. I mean, sure, try now, like you said, Chucks. I mean, doing something in preseason friendlies that don't matter are it, it, it you know that's infinitely preferable to the way that that Pirlo had to do it last year in terms of just he had to start experimenting in 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 games that counted because he had no preseason but please please god don't let this actually go go bleed into into the season and as to the rest you know i i i like you know, I, I do like that he's kind of lighting a fire under Kulusevsky and Kulusevsky actually later came out and and talked about how much he he he's learning from Allegri, had a lot of good things to say. I, I'd love to see him charged up and, and playing the way we all think he can play. But yeah, that that was really one of the takeaways for me from what he was saying at the end was just at the end of that game was just, no, I don't ever want to see Aaron Ramsey playing in a role like that in a game that matters. All right. We're going to wrap things up with a couple of Twitter questions here. The first one is directly for our very own Sergio Romero from David Desberg at the true ROAC continuing with Sergio's article of the Ronaldo era. Wasn't a failure, but it must end peace a couple of weeks ago. How much time is needed in your opinion for Juventus to both be financially powerful and legitimately competitive? Are there any major assets or personnel that must move to make this possible? Uh, first of all, shout out David. Always, always, always listener of the pod. He always asks questions. Uh, you know, no, I guess no, not really. I, I guess COVID for for it to be over, which which was kind of like the main main argument I made on in in that article. You know that how how you know badly you know COVID screwed over Juventus and their you know their their plans and what they wanted to do with with the club and with with the Cristiano Ronaldo signing and also honestly you know given how you know the the position they're in and you know going back to the to the Cayo Cayo Jorge that guy uh you know going back to to his signing you know what we're talking about there were a lot of rumors that you know, he Juve might just wait it out and get him on a free on, on January because they didn't want to part with like two million euros. And it was like, okay, if this is if it's gotten this bad that we can't just give out two million euros, like I, I can't imagine how badly you know the, the finances must be actually doing. So to me, I, I think the only path for Juve at this point is hope that you know vaccinations do do their thing. There's not another, you know, you know, big, big lockdown. They can start having fans back in the stadium. They can start kind of, you know, going back to normal and, you know, make a, a deep European run. And then after that, hope that Ronaldo's contract either runs out or they actually, you know, manage to transfer him out and then start building from, from scratch. Because at this point, the way this roster is constructed the way you know the pandemic's still you know not quite over in in many parts and definitely not in Italy where I'm that they're not going to have full stadiums anytime soon so it's just going to have to be a waiting game at this point given the the roster given that you know the the big domino to to fall was Cristiano Ronaldo and they didn't move him it's just going to be a waiting time I, I don't really foresee any scenario in which they they can be this 
you know, quote unquote financial powerhouse anytime soon. I mean, especially because, you know, they still have financial commitments down the road. They're, they're doing that, that awesome financial move, which is kind of kicking things down the road and figuring it out later. Like Federico Chiesa, sure, he's a Juve player right now, but they still have to bit, make the big financial outlay, I think, a couple of years down the road. Uh, Manuel Ocatelli, if the reports are true, they're going to get him this year, sure, but the big financial outlay is a couple of years ahead. So, you know, the, again, like at this point, it's going to be a two, three, maybe even four-year process in which they can kind of like rebuild, retool, and, and get back to a point that they kind of were pre-pandemic, where they were shelling out 40 million euros for Dejan Kulusevsky, where they were shelling out 80 plus for Matthijs De Ligt. Like to go back to that point, it's going to be a process and it's going to take a multi-year period of time for them to, to go back to that. And I think that's something we need to clarify as well is that, you know, people see this 400 million euro influx of capital and they think, okay, well, snap of the fingers, Juve is good. Let's go out and, you know, the Locatelli deal will be done just like that. They can maybe add a couple other pieces. Well, no, that's to that's to cover the losses that are currently on the books and that they have projected for the upcoming year. And, you know, it's not a case of it's $400 million for Federico or 400 million euros for Federico Cervini to be like, all right, let's go have some fun on the transfer market, like say Man City or Man United. Not, not quite. So, yeah, it Juventus coming back to being just simply financially stable again is going to take some time because the pandemic, as we've been saying for months now, has just absolutely crushed them. Like, like I think few teams really few teams of Juve size have, have seen. And even Manchester city is crying poor. Like, you know, the, the whole thing with Harry Kane, this was being brought up in the main Slack channel for SB nation soccer today, just the, how they're, you know, they, they're refusing to meet, come anywhere close to Tottenham's price for Kane, which is why that whole standoff is starting in the first place. And they're one of the, they're a team with, you know, $8 zillion in oil money and they're backing out of, and they're backing off the market. Manchester United has made a single signing, which was Jadson Sancho. That was hefty. That was, I think seven, what, 75 million or something like that. Um, but they that's got, the only uh, thing they Ferran as well from uh, Real Madrid. I oh, that's right. They did get Ferran. Yes, you're right. Um, they're really the only ones that spent like legitimate money. Yeah, but 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 and that's and even then, but even then, that's only two players. Uh, where you know, after a season like Manchester United had this year, you would be expecting a lot more. You know how they were they were initially one of the teams that one thought might take Cristiano Ronaldo off Juventus's hands if they wanted to. But, you know, in, in the, in this kind of, in this post COVID economy, it's, it's, it is what it is. And it's going to be like this probably for another couple of years, like you said, Danny. And Real Madrid also, you know, they've, I don't think they've yeah, made that's signing yet. Have they made, have they made, have they done anything? I don't believe they have. No. Um, and they, I mean, you know, they, I mean, some people they think it. that they're still marshalling, <laughs> just like marshalling everything for one giant Kamehameha at, at Mbappe. But like, other than that, 
Shout out to the Dragon Ball Z reference. That shout out to Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not it's not just us. I mean, we we I think were affected more than those clubs because we don't have you know the enormous TV money that the Premier League gets. We don't have the the brand based stuff that Barcelona and Real Madrid have that that give them that that ability to spend. Uh, although when you look at Barcelona and what they've done with them to themselves financially, that's another story altogether. And that was brewing even before the pandemic started. But yeah, it's not just us, it's everybody. This is, you know, this is going to take a while. Yeah, and just a quick note on Real Madrid. They just had basically six players or so come back from loan. So that's, I mean, Bill came back from loan, Luka Jovic, Ceballos, uh, Odegaard, uh, Jesus Vallejo, et cetera, et cetera. And, oh, and they did sign... Well, he was on free and David Alaba. So, yeah, indeed. We're, you know, <laughs> ain't, ain't no money going around. But who knows how many of those will stay, right? True. True. All right. Final question here from at, at old man underscore rod. Christian Romero had a crap season at Genoa, but went on to be a beast in Bergamo. The deal that took him there was very poor. I agree. What is the likelihood that Juventus mess up with a Demerol deal as well? In absolute terms, unlikely because at the numbers that I'm seeing, the full operation of loan plus option to buy are at, I think it would still end up as a profit for Juventus. Now I'm checking that. It would, it would end up being around 30 million totals from... 30 million total... Juventus Juventus paid Sassuolo 18 for him. Yeah. So that is profit for Juve, as opposed to Romero, which was essentially, I think we sold him at a loss, didn't we? Or very close to, or or at least very close to a, a, a wash. I, I think it wasn't a loss, but yeah, I, I think that the, the profit was was really minimum. Like it was, yeah. it was almost nothing. Like I, I don't think it was a loss, but it definitely wasn't any significant type of money either yes so if if the if those numbers are right then you're looking at a 12 to 12 to 17 million dollars worth of profit right am i doing my math right probably not i suck at math but yeah so so in absolute terms the deal that is that there that the reports are saying on the table is uh does represent a a decent profit off of what juventus paid for him so I don't think it, I think it would have to be really, I, I think it, things would have to go really, really poorly on the Juventus end in terms of what Demerol, if, if Atalanta were to flip Demerol, what it would go for, for that to really be considered a failure. Well, that's why the Romero deal has looked so bad. Not only was it bad, bad-ish the first, you know, when Juventus initially loaned him, but the fact that he, absolutely took a huge step forward as a player yeah and now obviously has fabio paratici coming after him with coming after him again 50 million pounds yeah. like hey why did hey, he Atalanta. Why did, what so he wanted him he wants him now he didn't want him last he didn't want him on the team last summer like what's that another piece of the puzzle isn't it yeah i know that that's that's just paratici being terrible at his job is what that is but there, there's more of a sporting risk in terms of demerol ending up really, really good at Atalanta 
and not really, really good at Juve, then there is a financial risk in terms of profit. Yeah, which might happen. You know, it, it might happen. Like, it, it is one of those things that, that to me, you know, Demiral has shown a lot of flashes, a lot of potential, but it's again, you know, we're two years into his U.S. stint and he's still making the, a lot of the same mistakes that he made when they first signed him, right? And it was like, oh, he's this raw prospect. And it's like two years after and it's kind of kind of still a raw prospect. And at some point you're no longer a raw prospect. You're just a, you know, dude who makes a lot of mistakes. So, you know, I, I honestly, who knows? I think if, if Atalanta swindles Juve out of their two center-back prospects, and Daniele Rugani is playing minutes. I mean, at that point, you just, I mean, the, the mismanagement of, of this team on that center back depth, when a couple of years back, it was like, oh, we're like, you know, we're set for the next 10 years when it comes to center backs. And if that ends up happening, just like Sam said, like financially, it's going to make sense even if it comes, you know, if worse comes to worse and Demiral, you know, finally becomes a top center back in the league. Financially, it's not going to really come back to bite Juventus all that much, but sporting wise, it's going to be like, okay, what are we doing that, you know, these two guys who we had signed, you know, they just go elsewhere and they completely flourish and they just couldn't show that here. Like, what are we doing as, as a, as a team, you know, development wise that they couldn't reach those heights here. Right. So that's going to really going to be what's going to reflect poorly on the team. If it comes to that, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we all know Demiral is a talented dude. He hasn't been able to put it together. Only time will tell if if he ends up putting it together in, in Atalanta. Definitely. And I think the continued youth development is something that we could spend another hour's worth of podcast episode on, but that will have to wait at least another week. As always, thank you very much for your Twitter questions. You can send them to us at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can also follow us on there. You can follow us on Facebook at black and white and red all over you can subscribe to us on apple Podcasts or itunes on google Podcasts or on spotify if you listen on apple podcast please rate us review us write all the nice things that you so please so with all that being said for sam for chucks and for sergio this is danny saying thank you very much for listening and we will come to you guys again next week